1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24 7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us.
0: What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The
1: fans who want to keep pounding. We're the, 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 the ones the want an inside look at the vault. This is this this, this is views is from Bid Bid street. Bid street. Now. Here's your host, Lonzo Wrightsell and Rob Brown. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome into yet another rousing edition of the Views from Mint Street podcast, your home for all the Carolina Panther football talk you could possibly want. And then a little bit more. We are the three-legged donkeys that serve as your host. I am Rob Brown, host of the Rob Brown Show in Greenville, South Carolina, right here in the heart of Carolina Panther country, and joining me, as always, my co-host, my partner in crime, we call him the great one, Lonzo Reitzel is here. And and look, there's no way we're making it through this pod without talking about what Steve Smith Sr. had to say about Baker Mayfield being a three-legged donkey. But I want you to know before we came on the air, Lonzo asked me uh, very concisely, What's a three-legged donkey? and i i I went through all the metaphors in my head about what that could possibly mean. some dirty ones, some clean ones, some funny ones, some ha-ha. and i I came to the conclusion, though, that I think. That Steve Smith Sr. literally believes that Baker Mayfield has the coordination and ability of an actual donkey that actually has only three legs. I, I I can't come up with any other metaphors. Maybe that's a common saying in some other neighborhood, but I can't come up with anything other than he genuinely meant Baker Mayfield is a donkey literally with three legs.
0: See, hey, I don't I don't think that's what it is because later on he said that the quarterback across the way, Lamar Jackson, is a four-legged donkey. So that would imply that there's something missing from Baker's game.
1: Yes, one leg.
0: That keeps him from being a four-legged donkey. But a four-legged donkey would just be a donkey. I I just, I mean, you know, it's kind of redundant to point out that the donkey has four legs because all donkeys have four legs unless they're Baker Mayfield who only has three legs, apparently.
1: So here's the, here's the full quote for those of you that have not yet heard it. Here's the full quote from Steve Smith Sr. He said, why is he saying I when he prepares, but in the lack of execution, he's saying we didn't execute. I'm trying to calm myself down, but this three-legged donkey that's playing quarterback, it's tough. Let me tell you. It's tough to watch, especially when the other team has a four-legged thoroughbred watching him play quarterback. There is no possible way any team that's looking for a foundational quarterback signs Baker Mayfield, end quote. So he did not say Lamar was a four-legged donkey. though he said it was a four-legged thoroughbred, uh, which, of course, in the world of sports is uh, a great compliment. Listen. Here's what I'm gonna say. Um, Baker is not, and I I feel like I'm I'm ready in my heart of hearts to accept this. Baker is not the guy we hoped he was gonna be. All right, he's just not. Now that's not to say he can't grow into that guy, but unfortunately, he's out of time to grow into that guy. And we'll talk about the decision to play Sam uh, Sam Darnold as the starter coming up momentarily, but. Baker is, I think, if he's not already out of time, he's rapidly running out of time to prove that he would be the guy here or, frankly, anywhere else next year, right? I I, I think the most optimistic amongst us, right, the most optimistic amongst us were hoping that Baker was going to show up. And we were going to get good Baker and he was going to grow into that foundational quarterback. And we wouldn't have to worry about making a deal or sucking to get a quarterback next year early in the draft. But I think the deeper we get into the series, into the season, the more we realize Baker is not a foundational quarterback. However, if you look back at that game last week and you put the entire struggle of the offense solely onto Baker Mayfield, I don't know what game you were watching, right? Like, I saw the critiques of Baker being effectively locked on to one receiver and DJ Moore had a hard time getting through progressions, but here's the reality. Go back and watch any camera angle that is not focused solely on Baker Mayfield, and you are going to see wide receivers who weren't coming open You're going to see play designs that did not take advantage of the fact that they were playing a tough, aggressive man on us. And you are going to see, and I don't really put it on as much on them as anybody else, but you're going to see for the first time, and I projected this, by the way. I told you this was going to happen. The offensive line, frankly, though, having the worst performance since like week one or two of the season so far, uh, I, I like Steve Smith. Right. Steve Smith's kind of in that category of if he played for another team, you hated him. But when he plays for your team, he's like, rah, rah, he's our guy. Like he talks a bunch of smack, but it's for us. So I'm good with it kind of situation. Uh, If Steve only saw Baker Mayfield struggling in this game, I disagree with Steve Smith's take on the game, to be honest with you.
0: Well, first of all, I don't know why he doesn't owe all three-legged donkeys an apology because I think his comments were insensitive. And you know, those donkeys—Steve Smith doing, is canceled. They—they're they're doing their best to get by, and you know what? They—they just want to live. So, I mean, there's that. And also, Steve Smith kind of wishes he had an A in the middle of his name and uh, went by his full name Stephen, because uh, these are the kind of comments that he seems to be. Trying to make there, uh, and and you're right about the the locked on receiver thing. Really, what it comes down, I I think I know what a a three legged donkey is. A three legged donkey is someone who has draft capital uh, drawn up or, or or tied to their play time. That's what that is. So if you have too much play time a uh, third-rounder becomes a fourth-rounder or something like that. Maybe that's what the three-legged donkey is. The other thing is, I think that Baker is being too harshly criticized for uh, for his limitations against one of the better defenses in the NFL. And we, we touched on this a little bit in the last podcast. Let's put Baker in there against the hardest defense we're going to play the rest of the year, and then we can say it was his fault – If I didn't know better, it almost would seem like that maybe a coach has a vendetta against. uh, I I mean, you could you could look at it from that. If you were that hardcore uh, Baker fan, you could look at it in in a way that he's being put in positions to fail on purpose. Uh, But would PJ have done better? No, he would not. Uh, Would Sam? Don't know. I guess we'll find out this week. But against. The Broncos, not the Ravens. So so Sam could very well, and I know we're going to get into this more, but Sam could very well just come out and just shine like the sun against the Let's Ride guys.
1: Broncos country. Let's ride. I, uh, I got into it on Sunday during the game uh, with a buddy of mine who is a Panthers fan who – You know, he he comes in and he goes, Hey, look, and and, and I'm I'm gonna paraphrase because I don't remember. And it was many, many tweets ago. But he said something to the effect of this is just this offense with Baker, right? This is what we are. And I said, Well, hang on a second. No credit for the fact that you are playing. Uh, what was a top 10 defense in the league before they added Roquan Smith? And now you've got the most dangerous guy over the middle out there, right? This is a team that was uh, top 10 in sacks, top five in interceptions, top two in turnovers. This was a team that, has been really good everywhere except against the pass. And again, keep in mind, this is because they had a great front seven, not a great back four. But now with Roquan back there, the you don't have as much time to throw the football. I said, do you really think that a guy like P.J. Walker or, or Sam Darnold would have come in there and done any better? And let's start the conversation with the realization and the reality that Our quarterback room is bad now, all right? It just is. We don't have to like it. We do have to accept it. Baker's not the dude. Sam Darnold's not the dude. P.J. Walker's next to it. We would have the best quarterback room in the league if this was the XFL or the USFL, but it's not. It's the National Football League, and it's just not a good quarterback room. It's unfortunate, but it's true. But if you watch that game, And your takeaway was, bah, Baker bad. And not with the platitude of other problems that we saw out of this offense specifically. I don't know what to tell you, right? Like, we were in that game until very late in the game, right? Like, we were in that game until very late in the game. And granted, you put a couple of offensive touchdowns up and... It looks like a completely different game, but we knew that if we were going to be in this game, it was going to have to be a low scoring game. It was going to have to be a game that the defense did their job. They did right going into the fourth quarter. The score was three, three, and I very much felt like we had a chance to win that game against Baltimore, who, as I said in the pod last week, is an AFC. I don't even think dark horse to make the Super Bowl anymore. I think they're a genuine AFC Super Bowl competitor at this point. For us to be in that game at 3-3, it meant that Lamar was doing the same things that Baker was doing, right? In fact, let's take a look at those numbers, right? Because Steve Smith said Lamar is a four-legged thoroughbred, right? He's just infinitely superior to a three-legged donkey. Baker Mayfield... Was 21 of 33 for 196 and two interceptions, one of them very much in NHF and not his fault, right? Like it's a pick that should not be held against him. Lamar Jackson was 24 of 33 for 209 and one interception. So Lamar was better with the same amount of passing attempts. Lamar was better by three completions. He was better by 13 yards. And he was better by one INT if you hold both INTs against Baker. I hold one of them responsible. Lamar Jackson was not dramatically better than Baker Mayfield, right? Like I I saw Steve and a lot of other people talking about how how Baker Baker Mayfield paled in comparison. Listen. In actual play, sure, because Lamar also had 31 yards of rushing. Baker only had 12. But it wasn't like Lamar Jackson just flat out out Baker Mayfield in this game. Both of these teams were going up against very good front seven defenses. Both quarterbacks struggled. The numbers were remarkably similar. The one big difference in this game, the one big difference in this game, Lonzo, Baltimore rushed for 115 yards in one touchdown. Carolina rushed for 36 yards and no touchdowns. That's it. That's the whole ball game right there. The one aspect of the game. Now you can say because Baker wasn't effective with the ball, Baltimore was throwing extra guys in the box, and that would be a fine argument, except for that has been Baltimore's MO all season long. That's not special because Baker's bad. They've been doing that to every quarterback they lined up against. Uh, the only difference was that Baltimore had a Hohama offense in terms of the run game, and our run game for the first time in a number of weeks sucked.
0: So, what you're saying is that a three legged donkey is just a couple completions away from being a thoroughbred. So, we're starting you know, as as we're as we're talking this out, I'm, I'm learning more and more. Uh, about the difference between a donkey and a thoroughbred and i'm I'm so glad i, I wonder i wonder if, if steve knows it's that close because uh the way he's talking it's like a, a mile between the two uh but really you're right it comes down to the fact that the panthers couldn't run the ball i mean really that's what it comes down to the panthers couldn't run the ball and that was our concern going in that they wouldn't be able to do that and uh they didn't so uh, if you if you if you look at the first three quarters, man, this was such a good game. And what what is shy Smith a, a three legged donkey because he let the ball get ripped out and changed the complexion of the whole game, the momentum, everything? I don't think Baker did that. Uh, why isn't Shy Smith getting some negativity thrown at him? Aside from you know me, um, I, I I think. It's it's very myopic of certain people to only look at one player and say he's the problem. When as you pointed out, there are several areas that could have been better. And if they were, we might have had a different outcome.
1: Uh by the way, I would like to go ahead and award seven views from Mint Street Points to Lonzo for use of the word myopic. Bravo. Well done. It's a good that's a good look for you. Um that's a, I, you know, I, like I said,
0: I, I, I look straight ahead the entire podcast. So. Oh,
1: you nailed it. You nailed it. Yeah. Um, I saw a lot of this is on Baker. This is on Baker. This is on Baker. I'm not sitting here and arguing that Baker Mayfield played well and was let by by the team that let down by the team. That's obviously not what happened. What happened here is that the run game did not exist. Right. And, and, and what do we say on Friday's pod going into this game? It's gonna to be tough sledding. It's gonna be a tough sell, but we have got 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 with a capital G and a capital O and a capital T. Got to be able to run the football if we want to establish any sort of passing game. We did not do that. It made it that much more difficult. Shy dropped a couple. You had the pick. You had an NHF. As far as I'm concerned, listen, I, I'm not. I'm not sitting here standing Baker Mayfield. As I said to open this segment. I, I I'm kind of over the Baker Mayfield experiment. It's just not going to work. It's not a fit. That's not to say you can't go somewhere else and get it done, but it's just not going to be a fit here. We are now looking for the quarterback of the future again, but the point I am making here is that I very much hope that Scott Fitterer and Steve Wilks, if he remains the head coach and whoever else is going to step into an authority figure next season, I hope they are not taking the same stance as the fans That somehow this is Baker Mayfield's fault in its entirety because there were a lot of other problems that let us down on Sunday that need to be fixed. If we want any chance, any chance of taking over what will be a very bad division next year. All right, the Views for Midstreet Podcast rolls on. Rob Brown and the Great One Lonzo Wrights with you today. Hey, make sure you follow us on social media if you don't mind. I am at the Rob Brown. He is at Lonzo on Word, W-O-R-D. And while you're at it on the social, spread the love, man. Grab that invite link. Off of wherever you are getting the views for Mint Street Podcast, whether it's Stitcher, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, or free on the Odyssey app, grab that little share button and share it around to your Carolina Carolina Panthers friends within your social circle so that we can continue to grow the community. Uh, We hinted on this in the last segment. We get to it now. The Magic 8-Ball was shaken up. By Steve Wilkes and Lonzo, we are going to see for the first time this season, Samuel Darnold get the start under center this Sunday against the Denver Broncos. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you that uh, I'm okay with it. Not because I think Sam's going to be any better than Baker. I don't. Although Sam did have a hot hand early in the season last year in his first few games. So we'll see. Uh, but I don't have a problem with it because Tampa Bay has a real opportunity against Cleveland this weekend to, I think, essentially put the uh, put the division away. All right, if they get to six wins this weekend, I, I don't think Carolina, New Orleans, or Atlanta is going to run down the Buccaneers and steal the NFC South away from them, which means that. Let me go ahead and grab the shifter and crank back on it again. It is back in tank mode, right? Like, that's just where we are now. Now, if Sam Darnold comes in and blows this away and earns a second start and a third start and plays four or five consecutive really good games like he did last year, I don't know. Maybe he gets a second look. Maybe we go, okay, maybe Matt Rule and Adam Gase both, held back Sam Darnold, right? The popular theory, myself included, is that Adam Gase with the Jets was so bad that Sam Darnold never got time to develop into an NFL quarterback. Uh, I, I, I think, as we've said many, many times, it's pretty obvious now that Matt Rule was a, if not the problem, like maybe he comes in and he blows us away and he earns two or three or four additional starts. And he looks like Sam Darnold from the early portion of last year when he had a really good start to the season before he fell off. If he does, great. Maybe we take a look. I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Sam Donald's going to come out and suddenly turn into an all-pro caliber quarterback. But at least it gives you a look. If Sam Darnold comes out and he sucks and we lose, okay, one spot closer to getting C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. It's that simple to me. Like We can go X's and O's and the tactics and the formations and all the things that you can do with Sam Darnold, you couldn't do with Baker if there are any, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, if he comes out and stinks up the joint and we lose this game to Denver, a 3-7 and football team, we're one step closer to having another run at QB of the future in the draft next year. And I have just accepted that as our reality at this point.
0: All right, so this could be – you can look at it a couple ways. This could be basically an audition between the three quarterbacks – on who is going to start, like, the first three games next year before the rookie quarterback who's being drafted gets to take over, who's going to be the mentor to that guy when he gets drafted, when the Panthers finish, you know, between one and three. Um, Or you could look at it another way and go, this coach is trying out to be a head coach and he can't figure out who the starting quarterback is. Maybe this coach is costing himself uh, job possibilities by by doing what he's doing. This this rotation of quarterbacks. I I, I believe if PJ didn't get hurt, I think PJ Walker would have stayed the the starting quarterback the entire season. I do, uh, which would have made it look a little more consistent. We we would have questioned all year for sure about why Steve Wilkes is doing that. But I think it's a bad look for him, the fact that he's doing this, uh, starting yet another quarterback and, and benching the guy who just got in. And And you may look at it and go, maybe he didn't get a fair shake. Uh, but I don't have a problem with Sam Darnold being in there. I'm just saying there are t- I think there are two ways of looking uh, about him going in there. But when Sam Darnold goes in there and he looks all world against Denver – Certain people, like maybe Steve Smith Sr., are going to go, see, there's Thoroughbred. Uh, But he's playing Denver. All right, so Carolina going to look at this game like, this is our get-right game. Denver's going to look at Panthers and going, this is our get-right game. When it's two less-than-mid teams playing each other, which means it could be a good game. I just uh, – Sam will probably go out there and look really good because how can you not against Denver?
1: Yeah, Denver's not good. Uh Denver's struggling. I will say this. We talked about team rank defenses earlier. Uh Denver's defense, and this this is gonna shock some people. Denver's defense is the top three defense in the National Football League. I know. I said the same thing. But when you when you when you go defensive efficiency, Denver's defense is actually really, really good. And you, you, you go down and look at their schedule and where they stand right now. You cannot blame Denver's defense for where they are, right? In the first L to open the season, they gave up 17 to the Seahawks. And that was when the Seahawks were getting right and getting started. They lost to the Raiders. Uh, they gave up 32 in that game. But that was at a point when the Las Vegas Raiders looked like they were going to be an AFC contender. Uh, They gave up 12 to the Colts and lost. They gave up 19 to Justin Herbert and the Chargers, and they lost 16 to the Jets, and they lost 17 to the really good Tennessee Titans, and they lost 22 to the Raiders a second time, and they lost. The defense has not been the problem with the Denver Broncos. They absolutely can and will get after you, and they will do that to Sam Donald as well. This one to me, though, is 100% going to come down to A, Sam Darnold, who has not played football in however many months at this point, does Sam Darnold panic in the face of the first pressure he's faced in a while, coming off of a leg injury, or uh and 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 end up giving away a couple of turnovers? Or is he able to do what Baker couldn't do against the Ravens? Get through his progressions, go from Moore, down to Smith, down to Marshall, down to Chennault, whoever, whatever order the progression is on that particular play. Is he able to just play quarterback. I don't need you to do spectacular. If you score 22 points on Denver, you're winning the football game. All right. Uh, The only question is going to be, can the offense calm the hell down, run the football, open up the field and put up two or three touchdowns because our defense is going to smother Russ Wilson. I mean, Russ can't cook right now. We are going to smother up Russell so the question mark is, can we outrace them to 18 points? If we can, we win the game. If we can't, we don't, regardless of who is under center. I agree with what you said. If P.J. didn't get hurt, PJ's probably still starting result, uh, r- results of the Baltimore game uh, thrown out the window. Wouldn't matter. He would still be the starter. And I don't know if that's because Steve really likes P.J. or if it, if it is what I suspect it is, which is, we recognize that winning games is bad for us now. Okay. You don't have to like it. We're playing for pride. We want dubs. That's all well and good, but winning games hurts us now because we're not catching Tampa Bay. They have finally started to put it together and they've got a not not ruthless end of the schedule either. No matter how easy ours is on the way out the door, winning games is bad for us. PJ Walker would have given us the best chance to lose games. Uh, and now that might be Sam Donald coming off of an injury because you can chalk up some of last week and the misfires of Baker Mayfield. You can chalk that up to playing a really, really good defensive front seven. Now you're going to throw in a guy who hasn't played football in half a year, coming off of a leg injury into the face of one of the best three defenses in the NFL. By goodness, Lonzo, it almost feels like we're doing that on purpose.
0: Doesn't it though?
1: It absolutely does
0: seem like they're doing that on purpose. I, uh, I, I guess we're going to find out if they if they stick with the run, and and who knows? I, I mean, maybe the reason why Baker is out of there is because uh, he didn't do what he was told and decided to be, you know, the quarterback and make decisions and not go. Coach says handoff. I'm going to handoff. You know, I, I mean, because we don't know what how he audibles. Uh, but I do believe that no matter how good Sam plays this week, if P.J.'s back, S- Sam gets benched. I just yep. – I, I, I think that Steve Wilkes has decided that P.J. is his guy and he wants to – because um, the other two guys were were uh, Matt Rule guys. And it, it, it may seem kind of petty – uh, but at the same time, he can also say, Hey, I took this guy who probably wasn't going to be on the team and I was able to win with him. These other guys on the end of their rookie contracts, they didn't pan out, but I could take a guy who wasn't supposed to be here and find a way to win with him.
1: I mean, you can't, though. You can't, though, right? Like, oh, you he just can't. can't he, abso-
0: he absolutely can.
1: I mean, no, I'm not saying he can't play him. He absolutely can, will, and is going to play. Him. I'm saying you can't win with him. Like, I like PJ. He's a hard he's a, he's a He's a big heart guy. He's a tough guy. He goes out there and he slings it. The hardest thing to say as a coach is, you're just not that good, kid. You're just not that good. You're an XFL caliber quarterback. You're a USF caliber quarterback. I hope that at some point when he's done in Carolina, which will be sooner rather than later. I hope PJ Walker gets picked up by an XFL team or a USFL team. I will tell you right now that if he does, I will probably be a fan of that team. I will follow PJ and be a fan of that guy because the dude has done everything he's been asked to do and everything he was capable of doing at Carolina. But I think at the end of the day, we've kind of just hit the point where we all have to sit back and realize now the mission is not to win anymore. The mission is to go get better. It's to be competitive, uh, to, to, to figure out who the guys are moving forward and also get us in a good spot where we're not stuck with Will Levis or uh, not having to package together three or four of our eight draft picks next year to try to jump up and pick somebody who is not uh, in the draft position that we end up at at the end of the year, whether it's trading up to, to one or two to get either Stroud or Young, uh, you know, might cost you a lot because there's a pretty hefty drop-off from those two guys down to Will Levis at number two. And by the way, or down to Will Levis at number three, and his tank, uh, his his, his uh, draft stock is continuing to tank. I think the goal is try to either be in that one or two spot or see if either Sam or Darnold is going to have some sort of renaissance at the quarterback position that is going to make you look at them as the foundational guy next year. And, spoiler alert, they're just not.
0: Well, here, here's the problem. I'm, I'm thinking about this as you're talking. Uh, when, when Peyton Manning came out and he struggled that entire season, did he get benched? I'm sure there were some, some guys with experience uh, behind him. I don't remember who they were. Uh, same with Troy Aikman when he came out and he struggled. There have been some really good quarterbacks who've had some bad seasons and they didn't get benched because that's just you don't really do that in the NFL. I don't know why, but 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 you don't do that in the NFL. I think money has a lot to do with it, but you don't you don't do that in the NFL. So what this says is the Panthers as an organization, or at least Steve Wilkes as a coach, has no confidence that any of these guys are that good. Because you stick with that, you stick with the guy and see if they progress and get better. You don't just go up, oh, that was
1: a bad game you're out. I mean you just you don't do that in the NFL. I think that philosophy works for rookies, right? Like, I think if if you were talking about Baker Mayfield, the rookie, Sam Darnold, the rookie, PJ Walker, the rookie, you'd have a much easier time selling me on that. Uh, you don't do that with guys that are in the third or fourth or fifth year in the league. Like, if they don't have it, if, if Baker doesn't have it after this long in the league, regardless of the fact that, and I pointed this out, and I gave him a lot of leeway at the beginning of the year, right? Because you're talking about, what head coach number three, offensive coordinator number four, playbook number four, like short offseason, short preseason, uh, being asked to split stats, uh, split snaps between him and Darnold and PJ. Uh, you know, I-, I think that if Baker doesn't have it figured out by now, going into what week are we in 11, 12, whatever week we're in now. If you don't know QB by now, you will never, 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 never know QB. Ooh, 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 ooh. That's just kind of where we are. Uh, none of these guys are it. If they don't have it down by now, they're not going to get it. Uh, if they haven't figured out a chemistry with the offense now, they're not going to figure it out. Everything has been working well except that spot. Yeah, and again, agree. I'm not putting a loss against I, I Baltimore disagree. all on them. I, I disagree
0: because um, you got to leave them in there long enough to get some chemistry. You got, I, I mean, technically, Baker is starting over anew again because you've got a new head coach in the middle of the season. So to me, he played his first game last week and it gets pulled uh, just because we know the offense has changed since he was in there last. There's not a new offensive coordinator, but there's a new offensive philosophy, a run first philosophy. And it's just like starting over again and he's only given one shot and i am curious to see if sam Darnold gets the same treatment one shot up yeah i know you won the game but you didn't look at it we're gonna have to put somebody else in there
1: all right let us know in the social media at the rob brown show at lonzo one word let us know who's your guy who's your guy who you starting this week if you are steve Wilkes. The Views from Street Podcast continues. Rob Brown, Lonzo Reitzel with you talking Carolina, Panther, football, wherever. Major podcasts are found to us in favor. Share us around with your friends. Make sure that we continue to grow this community so we can keep doing this podcast because, well, we enjoy it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Matt Rule has resurfaced, Lonzo Reitzel, and had some comments. He said that he thought that the direction of the team was good. He said he was building a good foundation, and he thought that with more time, he would have been able to grow it into the team that we all kind of wanted it to be. He went on to talk about the J.C. Horns and the Brian Burns and the young guys that are forming the core, uh, the foundation of this squad and basically said, "Hey, look! If you'd have given me the rest of the year a little bit more time, I would have gotten them there. But it just is what it is, and you know, we we decided to go different directions." Um, yeah, Matt, you were there for two and a half years, my guy, and the team didn't look any better this year than it did last year. I mean, yeah, you got some foundational players. I don't disagree with you, but if I walk into the kitchen, and there's flour and there's eggs and there's icing and there's whatever else you need to make a cake. And I walk into the kitchen and I've got all the premier ingredients to do it. It still doesn't mean I know how to bake the cake. You might give me Gordon Ramsay's damn kitchen and all the ingredients you can eat to make the finest cake in the world. I don't know how to bake my guy. It wouldn't matter, right? Like you need to get somebody in there who knows how to bake. And maybe that person isn't the best at going to get the ingredients to make the highest quality cake, but that's where you put other people into the role of grocery shopper in my terribly last-second analogy. The point is, I don't know how to bake, Matt Rule, and unfortunately, and this is not you know how to bake at the college level, you just didn't know how to bake at the NFL level. I saw the comments from Matt Rule, Lonzo, and I was just like, all right, dude, like I get it. Every time it's the first time he stepped back into the limelight, as he starts to work on getting a job, I assume at Nebraska, though, we will find out. uh, I saw the comments and it just felt to me like that situation where your buddy breaks up with his girlfriend and he comes back to you and he's like, oh, you know, what you and you're like, dude, shut up. Nobody cares. Right. Like, it's over. You got to let it go. You got to move on. I feel bad for Matt Rule at some level, and that I don't enjoy seeing anybody lose their job. But at the end of the day, my guy, you were out of your depth. It wasn't your world. Go be an excellent college football coach somewhere, and just let everybody move on.
0: Well, he was, he was, he's been making the rounds, but I watched the uh, the majority of him being on Good Morning Football on the NFL Network, and something else he was saying is that he tried to be something that he isn't and a good NFL football coach well i you know i'm just talking about a coach period saying that that covid got in the way as part of it because there was no and and keep in mind he all, he was there during the whole covid thing and everyone had to adjust and figure out how to do it which is pretty difficult for a coach i'm not making excuses but it's pretty pretty difficult for a coach in the beginning of their NFL career. And he said that he had a meeting with Christian McCaffrey and some of the leaders, talked to them and changed his attitude. I guess maybe he got, he didn't say he got rid of one of us, but maybe he did. And then, and this was towards the end of last year. And he said, things changed around and he became just, you know, Matt, the coach again. And, uh, and uh, the, he says that he never lost the locker room. And for the most part, it seems like he might be right about that. Doesn't mean they won games, but you
1: know. Yeah. I mean, listen, I respect that. And, and and from what we could tell, we talked about it after the saints win, right? Like it looked like the players were relatively hype. The, 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 the problem is twofold. Number one, when you create that OOU mentality, right? You're like one of us, uh, you basically have formed, the cool kids table in the cafeteria at a high school, right? Like everybody wants to sit at that table. A lot of you aren't welcome. Me, and if you're not welcome, ones. if you if you if you're not welcome at that table, you don't react by going around and talking smack about the quarterback and the linebacker and the running back and the wide receiver and all the cheerleaders at that table. Because that's a really good way to make sure that you're not welcome in any of the clubs anymore after that you're just off with the thespians Uh, i can say it i was one come at me bro that being said maybe he did get rid of that maybe try to get rid of that but the damage was done at that point matt the damage was done at that point that mentality doesn't suddenly go away every one of us has seen the coming of age teen movie Where the quarterback makes fun of the girl next door and then she gets a makeover and it turns out she's hot and then he starts telling all the other football players, hey, you guys need to be less of a three-legged donkey and start being cool to each other. And then the quarterback finds himself on the outs and now he's got to win over the whole school. Like we've all seen that movie a million times. Once you have created that mentality, once you've created that atmosphere, it doesn't just go away because you go, oh, my bad. That's on me. I was wrong. Like that takes some time. But even if that was all true and even if you had gotten away from the OOU stuff and the the whole locker room was at your back and, and all of that was true in your little Disney fairy tale world that you created around your time towards the exit of Carolina. Uh, the football team was still bad, right? Like the football team, two and a half-ish years into your tenure, was still aiming at a first or second overall draft pick. Now, how many times did we hear, Matt Rule's a three-year turnaround guy, you got to give him three years, give him three years, give him three years. My dude, you were 75% of the way through that three years, and there was no progress you missed on multiple quarterbacks. You didn't know how to utilize McCaffrey to open up the rest of your offense. You leaned on him. You got him hurt multiple times. Like things were going really badly for you, Matt, like really badly for you. And if that's the case, what the hell did you expect was going to happen, dude? Like, how did you see that going? You know, not rule shows
0: back up and you would think that, it would make Steve Wilkes look better. What's Steve Wilkes done? I I, I mean, it, we're criticizing Matt Rule. What has Steve Wilkes done? He hasn't done anything. And I I think uh, I mean, what has he won? One game? He's won two games. He won two games. So ooh, he won twice as many as Matt Rule this season. Yeah, he's still only won two games, and 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 they're three and eight. I uh, I don't know what what Wilkes has done. And has Tepper painting himself into a corner because he's going to look bad if he doesn't retain him as coach. Do you think the Steve Wilkes will still be the coach next year? And if so, if so,
1: is it just going to be more of the same? Um. All right. Let me let me let me let me let me chew on that for a second. Uh, a couple of things. I don't go back to the beginning of what you said there. First off. Yes, Steve Wilkes does not have a winning record as the interim head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Steve Wilkes does, however, have the convenient, depending on how you see it, excuse or reason, Eileen reason, that he is dealing with the leftovers of the Matt Rule tenure. And while he was given a pretty pretty solid foundation of guys like Brian Burns, and by the way, I got a couple of numbers about him and JC Horn. I'm going to give you on the way out the door here in just a minute. While he does have a good foundation, the team he inherited is not a team and and not particularly a good team. If we're breaking it down to its finest elements, Um, I don't, necessarily hold the struggle against him and if you do have on your tinfoil hat as i do right now and believe that there is some element of effort from upper management from the front office to improve or maintain our top one or two draft position selection then there may be some element of, hey, Steve, again, as I said a few weeks ago, in a conspiracy theory I walked away from and now I've walked right back into, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, you're the front runner for the job, but we really want to make sure that you have a full complement of potential quarterbacks on the draft board to select from when our pick comes up. So, you know, <clears throat> why don't you give old Sam Darnold a chance? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying there? I don't put it on Steve Wilkes. Uh, I, I think that... The locker room seems to have gelled better under Wilkes in a few games than it did under Rule under a couple of years. It seems to me like you are getting better effort out of this team, right? I mean, look, look at the last two games. The win over Atlanta, a team that had beat you two weeks before that, that, teammate came out, that team came out and played its ass off to win that game against Atlanta. And then this past weekend at Baltimore – Yeah, the offense struggled a little bit, Lonzo, but it was a fight till the bitter end, a game we lost by 10, and Baltimore didn't really pull away until very deep in the fourth. The effort is there if the execution is not, and there's something to be said for that, in my opinion.
0: All right, so I'll go back to the Cincinnati game. There was no effort there. Um, I, I I think he's given a pass that he doesn't need to be given because he didn't win in Arizona there's a reason why he was like, and you could say, well, you only know, we have one season. Well, he had the same amount of time that he's given some of his quarterbacks. Basically. He had one season. He didn't win. He was gone. I, I'm i not giving him a pass. I'm not. Um, cause, cause I don't believe that he's got the wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I don't believe that he's uh, been told, Hey man, do your best. I don't believe he was handed a bad hand. He knows. He knew that team. It isn't like he got got brought in from the outside. Okay, we need to take over. He was there already coaching. He knew all the players. He knew everything. The only good thing that I've seen him do so far is make this team a running team. But when they can't run, what can they do? Nothing. As we saw last week. I just I, I think he's going to be given a pass, and I don't think he deserves it. I think he could coach better, and I don't think he's here next year. And if he is, the Panthers are not going to be any better.
1: We will have to dive into this in more detail in a future episode, which is good news because there's one on Friday, ladies and gentlemen. Yes, indeed. We will be making time to bring you a Thanksgiving edition of the Views from Entry podcast on Friday. I will say this. I do think Arizona gave him a raw deal. I think he got screwed in Arizona, but we will revisit that in a future episode of the pod because we are out of time. I promised them to you. Let me give you two numbers to maintain the little optimism before Friday's show when we break down our contest coming up this weekend against the Denver Broncos. In the entire National Football League right now, Brian Burns has the fifth most quarterback pressures in the entire NFL. There are a couple of guys ahead of him. Judon Parsons, Bosa and Zedaria Smith who have more, not by very many. There's something to be said about that. And a number to keep an eye on. How about JC Horn? JC Horn has allowed a 31.3 passer rating to quarterbacks, when targeting wide receivers being covered by J.C. Horn, that, ladies and gentlemen, is the best in the National Football League right now and by a dozen percentage points. That's just a little optimism to carry you through for Friday's show when Lonzo and I will drop our preview pod, Carolina hosting the Denver Broncos on Sunday. Lonzo, any final words for the people?
0: Yes, as the three-legged donkey of, the, of this of this podcast i just want to wish the thoroughbred a uh, uh, happy thanksgiving happy thanksgiving
1: rob thank you buddy and happy thanksgiving to you uh and of course happy thanksgiving to all of you that have made this podcast a part of your weekly routine we very much appreciate it we hope you have a very healthy a very happy and a very safe thanksgiving eat some salad it's good for balance and we We'll see you all back here on Friday for a celebratory preview edition of the Carolina v. Denver game on the views from Mint Street Podcast. Keep pounding, baby!